Hello, you're listening to a Medieval Madness podcast. To see the accompanying visuals, please check out our YouTube channel. Cheers! There has been a strange epidemic lately going amongst the folk, so that many in their madness began dancing, which they kept up day and night without interruption until they fell unconscious. Many have died of it. This statement is from a manuscript held in the city archives in Strasbourg, in the Alsace region of France, in what was then the Holy Roman Empire. Now, my dancing is pretty terrible, but it's never actually killed anyone. Yet. What exactly happened in Strasbourg to allow people to dance until they died? Let's travel back in time and have a look at the mysterious dancing plague of 1518. Welcome to Medieval Madness. Dancing Queen. It began on the 14th of July, 1518, a week before the Holy Festival of Mary Magdalene. It was a swelteringly hot summer, and Frau Trophia stepped out of her half-timbered home and began to dance. It wasn't the sort of joyful jig that was usually accompanied by music, it was more of a dance of jerky, uncontrolled movements, jumping from one foot to the other that looked quite awkward and painful. Frau Trophia danced on throughout the day regardless of the pleas from her concerned husband that she should come home immediately. As the sun went down over Strasbourg, a crowd of bewildered onlookers gathered, and it was becoming obvious that Frau Trophia was unable to stop. Eventually, after several hours of the insane dancing, dripping in sweat and with her body still twitching, she collapsed from the sheer exhaustion and sank into a short, much-needed sleep. Then, only a few hours later, as the next day dawned, Frau Trophia resumed her peculiar jig, and after another weary sleep, she even continued dancing on into a third day. By now, her feet were bruised and bleeding, and the onset of chronic fatigue had made her movements more erratic and violent. The crowd of onlookers grew. Everyone around came to watch, from the poorest of dirty beggars in their rags to the noblest of lords with their lavish clothing and opulent jewels and those witnessing the scene began to speculate as to what might be causing it. At first, it was suspected that she was pretending, that it was all a trick to wind up her husband who hated dancing. The Swiss physician and chronicler Parcelsus speculated of her disobedience to her husband, and said she had been asked to do something that she did not want to immediately before she began to dance. Blood on the Dance Floor Perhaps she was possessed, the people thought. Maybe her sins have weakened her and made her susceptible to the power of the devil. Women were thought to be more vulnerable to the forces of witchcraft in the 16th century because they were said to have a more lustful nature, making them weaker in both morals and in the mind. After four days, with her shoes blood-soaked from the gashes on her feet and her face a contortion of pain, it was decided that Frau Trophia was being punished by an unforgiving saint, whose grotto lay nearby. So, she was unceremoniously shoved onto a wagon and driven to the shrine of St. Vitus up in the Vosges Mountains, and her affliction became known as St. Vitus Dance. So bizarre was the spectacle that it was recorded at the time by several members of the community, which included local officials, preachers, and merchants. Within days, people were taking to the streets of Strasbourg with the same desperate need to dance, and it soon became clear that a crazed epidemic was developing. 
Within one month, it was said that 400 people had joined the bizarre dance party from all walks of life, some in leather shoes, others in clogs, and even more, just barefoot. Dancing with a demented fury, their arms and legs flying, and their bodies ravaged by fatigue, people were starting to die. It is uncertain how many drops dead, but one report states that there are up to 15 people dying every day. Dehydrated and exhausted through lack of food and water, they could not keep up that sort of exertion in the July heat. It was nearly the end of August before the epidemic finally began to abate, leaving the people of Strasbourg scared and confused, many of them grieving the loss of their loved ones. Everybody dance now. It was not the first time that a dancing plague had been chronicled. In 1017, at the village of Kolbyk, in what is now Germany, several people danced up a storm in the graveyard. Legend has it that an outraged priest cursed them to dance for a whole year. It's unclear whether the story is based on a real event, or just a parable to teach against the medieval sin of having a good time, which does seem to have been a thing. Another tale whose origins are just as vague was related by the historian known as Gerald of Wales. In 1188, he told of a religious ceremony that took place every year in St. Aldemar's Church, South Wales. There, many people gathered in the churchyard to sing and dance until they would fall onto the ground. Then they began to perform, quote, whatever work they had unlawfully performed on weekdays. Some play-acted sewing, others working a loom or mending shoes. They looked as though they were in a trance as they tunelessly sang songs. Coincidentally, the same wording used on a review for my one-man Carabay show. It was as though they were involved in some sort of ritual, and their strange actions have been attributed to the same thing that started the dancing hysteria of 1518. There is another case of spontaneous dancing in the German town of Erfurt in 1247. About 100 children danced and skipped their way out of the town to a nearby village. Once there, they collapsed on the streets and fell into a deep sleep. They were later found by their distressed and bewildered parents, but it was too late for some of the children who had already died. Of those that were left, many were affected by fatigue and convulsions for the rest of their lives. Historians believe that this incident was a form of dancing plague because of the description of the ongoing symptoms. This event probably gave rise to the creepy legend of the Pied Piper of Hamlin, a town which was actually over 150 miles away from Erfurt. There, the citizen supposedly hired a piper to solve their rat infestation. He played his pipe, and the rats followed him away from the town. Unsuccessfully completing his work, the townsfolk refused to pay him, so he took his revenge. He played his magic pipe music, which sent all of the children from the town into a trance, and then he lured them away and into a cave, never to be seen again. One of many reasons to never leave your children alone near a flautist. Slightly after the strange occurrence at Erfurt, in 1278, the city of Maastricht, which is now in modern-day Holland, dancing onto a bridge over the River Moselle. Unsurprisingly, the medieval bridge collapsed, killing everyone. It was seen as a divine punishment by the church for the dancers' disrespect. A much larger outbreak occurred in the late 14th century, covering an extensive area of the Rhineland, from Ghent and Aachen in the north to Marz and Strasbourg in the south. In the summer of 1374, groups of crazed dancers moved from town to town, spreading their dancing mania like it was a biological disease. Thousands were affected, dancing and screaming in pain, whilst calling to God and his saints for mercy. A strange fact that was recorded by witnesses reports that the dancers, quote, cried out like lunatics that they were dying if they did not have sheets tied tightly around their waists. 
Thought to be possessed by demons, many danced their way to a derelict chapel near Trier, where they made camp before resuming their furious dancing. Dancing in the Dark So, how did the uncontrolled dancing of one woman become a full-blown epidemic? Could the dancers be deliberately inflicting pain upon themselves? Was dancing until their feet bled and collapsing from sheer exhaustion a form of self-punishment, the same way in that the flagellants had whipped themselves during the Black Death many years earlier? After all, to be truly penitent involved pain and humiliating oneself before God. And what was the reason for the strange phenomenon? The physicians believed that it was a physical disease which had occurred because of an overheating of the blood due to an imbalance of the humours. They ruled out any supernatural or astrological causes and decided that the best cure for the dancing was... Drumroll please... Even more dancing. It was thought that the heavy sweating would help to expel the hot blood, regardless of the fact that people were having heart attacks and strokes through exhaustion and the heat of the sun. Famine had struck the region, and in the months before the dancing outbreak, there was anxiety and a rise in superstitious beliefs as bad omens were seen everywhere. The price of grain shot up, and many poor families died of hunger. Then in the spring, smallpox hit Strasbourg, followed by plague in the early summer and a mysterious sweating sickness in the later months. By early 1518, people were dead, frozen, and starved on the streets and in their homes. Those still alive pleaded with the clergy for more prayers and special masses in attempt to appease their obviously angry god. What other punishment would he send down next? With stress levels so very high, could the victims have been involved in a case of mass hysteria? Mass psychogenic illness, or mass hysteria, is the spread of the physical symptoms of an illness without there actually being any real contagion. It usually occurs around people without a lot of power in times of extreme stress. A famous example of this was the Salem Witch Trials of 1692, which were thought to be caused by religiosity and seclusion. And more recently, the Tanganyika laughter epidemic, which affected over 1,000 people in 1962 in Tanzania. This happened amongst students who were particularly stressed at the time because of especially high expectations from both their parents and teachers over exams. Some pupils fainted whilst others ran manically around the school, laughing and yelling. When you consider how religiously extreme the medievals were, and how afraid they were because of the famine and pestilence that had recently ravaged their town, it could be that circumstances were just right for a case of mass psychogenic illness. After all, the people of Strasbourg seemed to be catching the dancing disease just by watching others who were suffering from it. It's difficult to imagine these people pushing through the pain threshold and dancing for days with their bloodied feet, without them being in some form of altered state, mentally. Another explanation popular amongst historians is that of ergot poisoning. Ergot is a mould that grows on damp rye stalks. When bread is consumed from flour contaminated with the fungus, it can induce hallucinations, a burning sensation in the extremities, and convulsions. The illness is named Saint Anthony's Fire, after the patron saint who offered treatment to its sufferers. But ergotism does not explain the rhythmic dancing that was described in the historical chronicles that went on for days. On the whole, there is compelling evidence that the medieval dancing plagues were in fact classic cases of mass psychosis, brought on by years of tough living through fear, religious fervour, and anxiety. The dancing plague of 1518 was the last outbreak seen in Europe. Whatever the reason or cause, it remains one of the strangest occurrences in medieval times. 
Thank you for watching this episode of Medieval Madness. Do hope you've enjoyed it, and do remember to drink lots of water if you're out dancing.